Oh, ladies and gentlemen, how are you doing this week? I'm doing fine, thank you. We're, we're, you know what? The grass hasn't been so, so green recently. Uh, you know, there's been some dreary days, but now we're looking on the side of paradise. Oh, that's... <laughs> That's that's my Sam intro for the week. <laughs> He's stealing my thunder. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, do you have one? I would love to hear the Sam version. <laughs> I was going to do uh, Nick today. We're gonna be talking about a uh, 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 what is it? A utopic setting with forests and animals that all get along with each other and are all strange shapes and sizes. We're not talking about Star Trek. We're talking about Spore from EA Games. <laughs> oh, what the... I don't want to bring that dreaded game and that dreaded universe into this podcast. <laughs> dreaded? I had the Spore character creator, and it gave me many minutes of fun, sir. <laughs> minutes. Uh, quote, quote there. Minutes. <laughs> many minutes of fun. fun Samuel Becker. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so now that now that we're done dunking on a game that's like 10 years old oh, at this point. Yeah, and that probably... like. Now we don't have a, a a ton of fans, but we would love some more. Uh, uh, but in the fans that we do have, I I highly doubt that maybe one percent, point one percent, one person probably knows what we're talking about. Indeed. Well, welcome to Lost in Memory Alpha, a sport yes. games podcast. <laughs> oh no 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 no! <laughs> this is a Star Trek podcast. We're not getting into that. A Star Trek book podcast. podcast. That's right. My name is, of course, Nicholas Hines. And I am Spore Samuel Becker. Oh my gosh. Uh, th- th- this is going to haunt me. I-, I know there's going to be episodes now where it's just going to be like, hey, Nick, Spore. And I'm just going to be like, why? why? It's going to be PTSD. Yeah. He's going to do shaky cam, like occasional close ups of your eyes yeah. widening yeah, like... and like the iris is getting bigger. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It'll be the only time when uh, the podcast also become has a uh, we'll, we'll switch to visuals every now and again just just so you can see these sort of things. We'll 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 create a video podcast on SoundCloud. There we go. Oh boy, ladies and gentlemen, watch out! Uh, Nick and Sam present the Star Trek book podcast video style. And That's then we, right. we and then we put a lot of those obnoxious like eh, 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 remix. That's right. Um, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm I'm a little bit excited today. Uh, so as we said before, as I said, as Sam said, w- today we're reading uh this side of paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by DC Fontana. Fontana. Uh, story by Nathan Butler and DC Fontana, directed by Ralph. Santa Sky, Sinensky. So, oh, that's that's probably right. Yeah. Um, first air on March second, nineteen sixty-seven. And uh, what was happening on March second, nineteen sixty-seven? Well, the young girls of Rockfort, uh, directed by Jacques Demi, uh, was out in theaters. 
Um, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, directed by David Swift, was also out in theaters in this week. Great um, film. The, uh, the Taming of the Shrew, it was still Great in film. theaters. Yeah. And um, uh, for television, uh, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour was in its second season. Oh, man, I love me some Smothers Brothers. So, uh, yeah, there was also um, an incident in uh, uh, Wisconsin, I believe, where... Um, the Land of Corn. Where... Uh, Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Yeah, that's just the Land of Corn! Yeah, man! I love that we're stopping to have an argument about this, but I'm, I'm almost positive. I am almost positive it's the Land of... Or it's, it's either that or cheese. Was... Yeah, like Green Bay is the cheese place because the Packers always have those cheese heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it yeah. like Iowa, the land of core? <laughs> I'm finding this out right now. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We need to know this. Well, anyway, on Thursday, March 2nd, the, uh, the headline of the Green Bay Press Gazette was Powell denied seat in house, lawyers threaten court suit. So uh, we were having a bit of a political emergency at this date in Green Bay, Wisconsin, um, where they make cheese. Nick is uh, just uh... no. This we were all wrong. Oh God! And it was Iowa. Back to the podcast. Uh, yeah, I said Iowa was the land of the corn. Whatever. I wanted to be right. And you go you go further into Iowa and you get to meet the children of the corn, right? Oh no. That's a spooky movie. We ain't going there. <laughs> we are bringing that spooky in here. Well, this is a spooky episode. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yes it is. Uh for many reasons. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Blish uh was definitely drinking this episode. Uh <laughs> Uh, not, I don't know if it was heavily, but he was definitely, he was at least, you know, a bottle or two in. We we definitely have some uh, new segments to choose from uh, oh. today. Yeah, oh, absolutely. All right. Yeah. All right, well, without further ado, shall we get started? Absolutely. So this episode begins, like all of these episodes begin, with a whole bunch of lead up that is... Like, mm-hmm. that you could have buried a little bit further in the story. Like, mm-hmm. maybe the second paragraph and have, like, a clear, good opening story. Like, opening paragraph of the story. Um, it, it starts, There was no answer from the Sandoval colony on Omicron Seti 3 to the Enterprise's signals. But that was hardly surprising, semicolon. The colonists, all 150 of them had probably been dead for the better part of three years, as two previous colonies had died, for reasons then mysterious. That was all one sentence. I like that sentence. Yeah. Uh, Elias Sandoval had known this past history and had determined to settle on the planet anyhow, semicolon. It was in all other respects a tempting place. So we get, uh, our first segment here is, uh, Elias Sandoval versus planetary harassment in the workplace. Oh my gosh. You're not wrong, but... Tempting. Ooh. (laughs) It's using its planetary wiles on him. Oh my god. 
to tempt him to coming in even though there's like a killer form of radiation that's supposed to make you dead in like yeah. three weeks if you stay three there three weeks yeah but apparently Elias Sandoval didn't really care he was like eh, if we die uh, we die you know it's not like those two expeditions just you know went missing or anything like that Ah, yeah, whatever. he's he's just like it's all fine. Like it's good. We're gonna we're gonna live. Why not? Exactly. Why not? So uh, three years have passed. The Enterprise comes up on them, and uh, Captain Kirk thinks, you know what would be great? Let's not do like a life form suite on the planet, <laughs> or any sort of like like any kind of. I didn't actual... think about that. Yeah, like, let's not do any kind of actual um, investigating from, excuse me, from um, uh, orbit. Let's just go right down there, baby. And not put on any protective suits or anything. <laughs> no. No protect. not gloves, no. goggles, nothing. We're just going down there willy-nilly. The head of medicine, McCoy, is is definitely sounding off. He's checking off on this one. We're ready to go. Yeah, Kirk made up a landing party of six. Yes, my boys! Including himself, Spock, McCoy, Lieutenant Timothy Fletcher, Timmy. a biologist, Sulu, and a crewman named Demont or Dimmit. Demont's our boy. That's that's the boy we're definitely going to be rooting for this time. Oh, yeah, we, we're really rooting for Demont because um, uh, He's he wants... He once shared an episode with, uh, of course, fan favorite R. Daikin, where they're they're stuck on a, a pretty deserted planet together. Like they've got their both of their legs are chained to each other, and they have to like survive like oh, in a yeah. buddy cop sense throughout the entire episode. Um, and you know, at the beginning of the episode, R. Daikin doesn't really like him because Demont is a is a very charismatic man and. You know, our Daikin's also charismatic, but he's not as charismatic as Dima. But by the end of the episode, they've become very close Good. friends. Uh, you know what? That warms my heart every time I read that story. Yeah. Every absolutely. time I hear that story. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's, it's, <sighs> it's one of the best Star Trek. It really exemplifies what Star Trek is about. 100%. Um, <laughs> so, uh, they come to... The location of the Omicron. Yeah, the Omicron, like the settlement. People... We'll just call it a settlement, a yeah, farm. They come, they come to the location of the settlement. They're like, oh, so this is where like the ruins are, and they're like, wait, these don't look like ruins. <laughs> they, I guess they, they're dead. And uh, somebody says, hardly that, sir. A big. And... Oh, no, no, please, please go ahead. My, my bad. A big, bluff, genial-looking man, clad in sturdy work clothes, had come around a corner of a building, with the two others behind him, similarly dressed and carrying tools. That's that's the uh, that is the introduction of Dun 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 Elias Sandoval. So, if I was the captain, uh, I would have definitely gotten scared by just hearing some other random-ass voice, and I definitely would have had my phasers out, ready for something, if I haven't already shot them. Uh, hopefully on stun, but you know what? In the heat of the moment, shit happens. Uh, 
Maybe that makes me a bad person. I don't know. Um, I mean, again, to reiterate, these guys went down onto a planet that kills you with radiation within three weeks of staying there. They said maybe you could last a year before, like, dying of heart in horrible pain. Yeah. Or something like that. It's And they sent their top medical professional there. So, like, the Enterprise, if McCoy dies, is pretty screwed. Yeah. Only nurses. I'm I'm pretty sure he's like the only doctor doctor on the ship. Yeah, he's doctor doctor. Oh yeah, doctor doctor. Coming uh, Thursdays to CBS. Yes. Doctor doctor. Uh, doctor. Watch we'll out, talk- New Amsterdam. Watch out, House. There's a new show on the block. Doctor doctor. Watch out, the good doctor. This is doctor doctor. doctor. It's the most doctoriest doctor show. On the East Doctor Coast. And we'll do a, a, a spin-off into NCIS Doctor Doctor. Oh my god. Alright, and so next what happened in the story... <laughs> yeah, next they talk to Elias Sandoval who tells them, Yeah, I'm sorry we couldn't, uh, we couldn't radio you guys. No one among us... We had no one among us who could master its intricacies. So you're telling me... That they just gave up. They were just yep. like, you know what? This shit's just too hard. I can't figure it out. Oh well. A oh well. Radio. We're just not gonna have contact with anybody ever again. Goodbye. A radio. Now, boy, I have been in the Civil War. Yes, and sir. I've I've only written on parchment paper and messages in bottles my entire life what's this newfangled radio contraption yeah that's pretty much what the entire civilization there acts like though yeah absolutely. Uh, as, as we'll soon see oh gosh um so we pretty much find out that there's just they couldn't figure out they literally were just like ah oh, we couldn't figure out the radio so no. we forgot about it uh, and it pretty much, uh, I think this starts off, I don't know if this is considered a new section, but, but this is like a new little, uh, or a new segment, I mean, but, uh, it, it starts off almost a theme in this episode, and it's the, uh, I don't understand conversation, mm-hmm. where, uh, where Elijah or whatever, uh, the main guy, his, he's pretty much just like, well, you see, we're healthy here, but you should be dead. But we're healthy here. Don't you understand? We're, we're just living a simple life. A peaceful life. But but you shouldn't be alive. Can you answer any of that? We'll answer that later. It's not that important. We here live a simple life. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, oh, well, alright. Well, how many times are we going to do this? And Mr. Blish has decided to at least do it five times. I think. I think we have this same conversation. That maybe it gives us like one piece of information that we need to move forward each time but like it pretty much starts off with with each of them being somebody being like i don't understand that is actually yeah that that is 100 percent correct there are multiple scenes in this where either kirk's saying he doesn't understand something McCoy says he doesn't understand something. Spock says he doesn't understand something. And they have a scene that just kind of goes... Keeps on going back and forth. We live a simple life here. 
There's in... no descriptions in this story either, no. by the way. We live inside of a Smucka's Jelly commercial. <laughs> literally, when I thought of this, when I, like, read this story, I literally thought of them as being, like, in, like, a Fallout world or something like that. Like, literally <laughs> living in, like, parts of buildings and stuff like that because there's literally no description. They kind of say, well, it's kind of like a farm. Mm-hmm. Okay, is it like a a well-kept farm? Is it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a deserted farm? It's just like the way, you know, and they keep on saying, well, nobody should be alive. This is a radiation planet, you know, radiated planet. You know, uh, nothing should be able to survive on here. So why would anything look nice? But because there's no description, we have no idea. Yeah, what does it look like? Who knows? I- I'm sorry to, to just go on a little rant there, but it oh, no, drives me funny. nuts. It's fine. So, uh, they're, they're having the first of their, but I don't understand, Sand but cup. we live a simple yep. life conversations. Yep. And they're interrupted by a woman who came from the inner door and stopped seeing the strangers. She looked Eurasian and was strikingly beautiful. Ah, Leela, Sandoval said. Ah. It might be Lila, but I just wanted to say Leela. Well, know. that's that's better than I thought. I, I was going to say maybe some sort of Leia or something like that. <laughs> Leia. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I'm awful with names. Princess Leila. Leila. Lali. Leila. I don't know. Okay, next. <laughs> she says something very interesting, which is that she and Mr. Spock have met before and then we get a warning because she is a botanist apparently she she does botany botany um and uh yeah so sandoval says that uh what he thinks is that men should return to the less complicated life. You know, that's that's what we were missing all along. Ah, here. yes, of course. It's just being being out in nature, it was less complex. I mean, sure, we were murdering each other always outside with, like, bayonets and muskets, but at least we were outside, you know. Yeah, life wasn't as complicated anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, now we just kill each other inside instead of outside. Why not? Why not? Why not go back to that smucker's life? <laughs> to the beautiful life. The beautiful life. Um, and so yeah. we actually get one of the few the few uh, descriptions about the planet. Uh, we hear from each of the groups uh, as Kirk has uh, let everybody go and, uh, you know, pretty much scavenge and figure out everything. They find out that this place is a great agricultural planet. Mm, it's yeah. ideal. Uh, and, uh, that if it wasn't for the radiation, this would be perfect for, you know, living in and, you know, raising all sorts of crops. Uh, the only problem is, is that, uh, our boy Timothy, who, uh, we find out just so happens, just so happens to be a, a, used to be a farm boy, you know, waking up, you know, every morning at 6am and, or at dusk and, you know, going out on the tractor and through the fields, you know, and he had that 
small boy, farmer boy dream of joining Star Trek and getting on a big ship and, you know, going out into the stars, obviously. Uh, and so, obviously, Timmy discovered uh, that, well, this is really weird. They're not, you know, really uh, changing their crops or anything like that. They're not rotating them. You know, that's not good for the soil or anything like that. And, you know, that may be the most important information of the entire story. And and let me just say, Nick, that Mr. DeMont has more backstory, more description of his backstory than Kirk, Spock, and McCoy have had in any of these stories combined. Was that was that DeMont? Was that not our boy Timmy? It, it's not Timmy, it's DeMont. Oh, my bad. My apologies, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no worries. It's... Uh, Demont has more backstory here. Like we actually get a view into what he was like as a child, why he chose what he did. Like he was leading cows to pasture when he was six, and then working all day in the fields. Like he, we get such a clear view into like what shaped Demont as a person, and we have never, never gotten any of that from Kirk. Or Spock. Or McCoy. Uh, obviously, Mr. Blish wanted to be writing about, you know, something else other than, than uh, you know, Star Trek. You know, Space I'm, adventures. I mean, I guess he was just making himself uh, more interested by just throwing his own twist on the characters in here. Oh, like, of course. Ah, uh, Demon! Let's make him uh, a farm boy. Ah, uh, yeah. Come on, Demon. You're gonna be my little door into my new world. Ah, oh, shit, I gotta still write about Kirk. Alright, well, Kirk uh, asked some questions why our boy Demont, he lived a life of treachery and of great torment. Demont, the hero of this story, it just starts going pages upon pages. Yeah, but then he Demont. throws. Then he throws a page in there where he says how desirable Kirk is as a man, just yes. to throw them off his scent. Yes. Well, you can't let everybody think, you know, that you're really changing everything. You know, you don't want to be too abrupt of a change. You're going to yeah. scare the, the listeners and the viewers. And the viewers. <laughs> the listeners, like, he was narrating it all. Yes. So, like, he was sitting in a bar with his typewriter, and he was just reading aloud the pages that he was written, and, like, the bartender yeah, just was like, like huh. Mr. Bush, it was like you... a jigsaw puzzle, all in one color. A lot of pieces, but no keys where they fitted. That is an actual line in this book. The bartender just says, please, Mr. Bush, you've been here for eight hours. Mm. Could you just go home? Do you no. have a family? <laughs> no, I need to bump out a few more pages. Another drink! <laughs> then came the order to evacuate, direct from Admiral Cormac of Starfleet. I don't it's... even understand what you're saying anymore, Mr. Blish. That's... That's not my fault. That's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> All of his loyal, loyal listeners. Of course. So, uh, so Kirk pretty much, uh, next just, uh, talks to our horror, you know, communicates with her, you know, we're gonna try to, you know, look around and see what's happening, but let, you know, Starfleet know. Mm -hmm. And they get a beautiful, beautiful message from Admiral Carmack of Starfleet, and despite the apparent well-being of the colonists... 
they were to be moved immediately to Starbase 27, where arrangements were to be made for complete examination of all of them. Exposed Starship personnel were also to be held in quarantine until cleared at the Starbase. Apparently, somebody up the line thought radiation disease was infectious. And that's pretty much the most interesting part of, uh, one of the most interesting parts of the entire story. Yeah, and then we, we jump immediately from that into another, I don't understand, but we here like to live a simple yes, life conversation. Yes, that, this Kirk is the big Samuel. one. This is the big one that lasts like almost a page and a half or something like that. Maybe almost two pages. In, in our ten page story. Yeah, and Kirk is like, I don't understand. Why did all the animals die? And Captain Sandoval, or Sandoval says, Captain, you stress on unimportant things. It's, but, it's ah, a, ah, the animals, they die. Animals die. Like, look you at know, them. we had enough to, you know, breed and, you know, make sure that they would never, you know, go out of, you know, endangerment or anything, but they're just dead. Don't worry about it. Ah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, don't worry about it. And <laughs> Sandoval says, yeah, I'm not going under quarantine. We here live a simple life without yes. mechanical stuff. Yes. Uh, and then this this was the one part of the story, what's coming up right now, where um, because I guess I accidentally overlooked it, uh, it literally says it was Spock who had finally given the key. He was standing with Lila, Layla, whatever going to call her. Looking out over a small garden, checking the tricorder. And I guess I missed that little bit. So all of a sudden I started reading nothing he said. Not even the insects. And I'm just like, whoa, where in this in the conversation are we? And because there's so little description, it's this is where this is why I'm getting so mad, is because like just because I missed one sentence, we're in a whole nother place and a whole nother thing. And, like, all of a sudden, it wasn't until halfway through this scene that we're just about to talk about where I realized that this was Spock and, and Leia or whatever. Well, uh, you didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't think it would be weird to say, from, uh, to Kirk, for Kirk to say to Sandoval, I have never understood the female capacity to avoid a direct answer on any subject. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that would be weird at all. I think Kirk, that's perfectly fine. Kirk to say to Sandoval, ah, oh, why did the the animals die? You females, you're all yeah. Aren't you cute? <laughs> but anyway, um, there's an attempt at some sexual tension. Between, tension. Oh yeah, some really uncomfortable sexual tension. Which brings us to our segment today mr oh. spock versus sexual harassment in the workplace Ooh, yes i guess this is a, a segment of that because she is clearly clearly crossing a boundary here oh 100 like if it like it, it, i feel like if we were to see this she would probably like ha keep on trying to put her arms around um around spock and shit like that <laughs> Yeah, she's like, she's trying to touch him. She's saying, I missed you. Yep. Uh, like, will you try to understand how we feel about our life here, about each other? And Yeah, it keeps on being like you and me, about you yeah. and me. It's yeah, like, whoa. This is, this is about us, baby. We're going to be together forever. 
And it's like a little extra creepy because since we never, you know, Spock never says anything about the, her, him knowing anybody from here. It's just like, oh, I didn't realize, you know, you'd be alive and everything. This is weird. It's just like, but no, apparently there was some sort of love, love interest maybe or something like that. Uh, but guess. it's just really kind of put to the side. But like, it's just like a weird little part that's just like, like, this is where we needed something to go astray so that we could push the plot forward. Yeah, so, like, he, she brings him uh, to these pods that are laying in the grass. Um, what I thought, just just as a quick aside, the, from theory standpoint, I thought that this was going to be kind of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I was just going to say that! Where, like, they're growing, like, mm-hmm. so the planet grows a different person because they're saying, like, nobody has scar tissue or injuries anymore. Yep. Um, and, and so I thought, like, it was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like, they were growing another person. But no, the pods open up and it just, like, shoots pollen into Spock's face. Um, uh, and it makes it sound like it's literally, like, acid to his face, so, like, he's all of a sudden, because he literally is, like, screaming, like, oh, I'm not human, you don't know what this is doing to me! And then it works exactly like the way it did on everyone else. Yes! Yes, that's the best part! And it's just like, like, there are no side effects, just this scary yelling. Yep, and then, uh, and then he and, uh, he and Leela, Layla, Lila, they get busy, apparently. Yep, uh, and then it's probably one of the best parts of the story, because within maybe a half a page, it literally, I'm just gonna go right to it, because it's probably the best part of the book for me, mm-hmm. um, uh, it literally goes, uh, Flutch was now caught, next, then McCoy, then Sulu, then Damont, and then finally Kirk himself. Yep. And so, we don't get any explanation. What what we have skipped is literally them being like, Kirk Kirk and Spock being like, like Spock, where are you? And, Kirk, and Spock's like, oh, I'm different now, I'm not gonna listen to you anymore, I have feelings. Yes. And that's the whole conversation that we skipped. But then literally, they have that small conversation. It's half page. And then all of a sudden, they're like, like, Mr. Blush was just like, eh, I don't really have time to, uh, you know, do the rest of this story or anything. So uh, then everybody else got got. Yeah, everybody else got got. Except for Captain Kirk, and this is the this is the yes. James Blush throwing everybody yes. off the set. Oh, Kirk, yeah. was, Kirk alone was unaffected. Like, guys, he's still... No like, reason. He, Never, and I kind of remember this episode, um, but even in there, it it didn't really, I don't think there was really, like, a reason or anything that Kirk was, like, uh, immune, he just was. Well, it does, it does leave a little bit of an Easter egg here, where he says, like, as peace and love and tranquility settled around him like a soggy blanket, he was blazing. Now, he wasn't 420 blazing it. He was blazing <laughs> as in upset. Of course. Of course. we got to be uh, adults here. Yes, obviously, this is a mature podcast for mature, mature listeners. Yes. We're all smoking pipes after we log off here. We're all very sophisticated Skated, gentlemen. Yes, of who course. Who definitely do not laugh at 420 blazing 20. jokes. No. No, we do not. No. No, we do not. No. <laughs> We're definitely we're definitely not smirking at each other <coughs> over the Skype right now. No. No. No, sir. No. 
So anyway, um, the next few pages is just Kirk trying to get a hold of the rest of somebody. The crew. Yeah, McCoy starts like sending up pods into the Enterprise, which makes Kirk more and more upset. And um, uh, Kirk goes back up to the ship, and Ahura uh, says, "No, nah, I've just cut off all communications. It's better that way." Because the pollen just made its way into the air ventilation system of the Enterprise. Everyone's going to the transporter room so that they can see Paradise. Kirk is very upset. He calls Dr. McCoy. That brings us to our second, or not our second, but uh, another new segment. Because he calls up Dr. McCoy and Dr. McCoy says, Why, that's fine, McCoy said. His accent had moved considerably south of the Mason-Dixon line, almost to his Georgia boyhood. So now it's Nick and Sam attempt to do southern accents like McCoy does. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Yo. Come right down now. That's right. Never you, mind that. You, I know. You, you want to do some? Yes. You always were a stubborn cuss, Jimmy. But you'll see the light. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know if I could do this whole thing. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not uh, concerned with any physical, psychological aspects there, Jimmy boy. We're, we're all perfectly healthy. <laughs> yep, that I don't know. is. I don't know why he's like foghorn leghorn, but but that's that's a type of of southern guy he is definitely. Yes, he's definitely one hundred percent foghorn leghorn. Oh, I say, I say, I, I say. say, Jim, have you ever had a real cold oh. Georgia style mint and julep? Of course. <laughs> I love how they talk about it like two or three times. They literally keep on being like, he's going to create something called a mint julep. Yes, that's the next thing. I heard that's a drink. And it's like, that was very funny, Mr. Blish. He really did that one up. He goes, he goes to Sandoval's house. He beams back down to Sandoval's house trying to understand the meaning of everything. And Spock is like, yeah, McCoy went to construct a mint julep. That's a drink. <laughs> That's a drink, by the way. Uh, thanks, Spock. You're you're real help to us in our endeavors. And I think this is really weird. They don't really talk about it, but it's just like everybody's just like you really should join us. We're not we're not going to do it to you if you don't want to, except for to Spock for some reason. But to you, Kirk, we're not going to uh, to force or anything. We just would really like you to join us. Yeah, and also the the mint julep scene is the third. I don't understand. Oh yes, it is. We here live a simple, simple life. life. Yes, it is. Yep. Except that this time they kind of talk about the spores, like they're microorganisms or whatever. But we live a simple but life of microorganisms. But we live a simple life. Excuse me. Yeah, and so then we have, uh, um, then we have a sequence where Kirk goes back. He's by himself on the Enterprise. He's real lonely, 
And he decides, I'm going to do what I haven't done in many, many years, which is 420 blaze it. And then oh, after yes. 420 blazing it, uh, he, he does some science experiments on the spores. Because uh, obviously he knows how to do this. Uh, he says, it says here, um, it had been decades since he had done anything like this, but he remembered from school days that one must run the objective lens down to the object. And then the and then focus up, never down. Good, the spores came in to register, tiny and spined like pollen grains. Of course, of course, this this captain who's been on countless adventures, done millions of things, remembers that ah yes, you one must ob- run the objective lens down to the object and then focus up, or then whatever the hell it is. It's yeah. just like all right. From Next. His, <laughs> from his school days, and this is decades ago, so we're talking like seventh, eighth grade Three, for Captain. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, Captain Kirk remembers his eighth grade know. chemistry course. Uh, of course. Uh, so they literally. Th- th- this is the next best part, is that literally, he just calls him and says, "Hey, I've changed." Yeah, he calls Spock. And they're like, this is perfect. Great. Hey. It's just like, hey, I think we should bring down, you know, some of this great material. Because once we're all down here, you know, nobody can uh, get back up to the ship. Oh, that's a great idea. Spock's like, why don't I come on up? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, that would be such a great help. Please, please. And then we have uh, another new segment. It's a... It's a... (laughs) It's an interesting segment. It's called Kirk Brushes with Supremacy. Um, because for, like, the second episode in this big old book, Kirk has to uh, wake Spock up to something. And I he guess. does so by spouting this really terrible, like, white supremacy ideology like he calls he calls Spock a a uh, overgrown jackrabbit, Jack yeah. an elf with an overactive thyroid. All you've got is printed circuits, and you've got the gall to make love to that girl, a human girl, you half breed. You're you're a traitor and come from a race of traitors. You're a subhuman race. It's like ah wow. All right, you're going to go that far. How do you uh, make this person likable after saying all of that stuff? Uh, and even when you know, even when it's explained that, like, they just, you have to get the person angry and then they'll be cured. Yeah, because but, the, the things dissipate in adrenaline. But uh, still, that he went a little bit far with that one. There are other ways, and so the reason that, like, Kirk was unaffected is because he got angry after, like, the, the stuff, like, came into his, his bloodstream or whatever. But there are other ways to, like, shock your adrenaline into your system. Like, he could have, like, walked Spock to, like, a, a cliff edge and, like, pretended to push Spock over and, like, grabbed him at the last second. Because yeah. that would cause the adrenaline to, like... i don't know there's literally anything that you could have done you could have just walked up to him and slapped him on the face a couple of times but instead like he really they get in a full out fight 
he really leaned into that like half breed mm-hmm. supremacist nonsense. Mm-hmm. And it's not great. It doesn't make you feel good. No, it doesn't. And then they literally just kind of brush past it. Like, Spock's literally like, how did you know that making me angry would be the only way to cure me? You're a genius. And Kirk is literally just like, of course, I'm the captain. Duh. Yeah, Spock says, we got into a fight. That's a court-martial offense. And Kirk's like, yeah, but the world needs us, so shrug. Oh, well, yeah. That's like, all right, well, I guess this one's in between us. And so, so, yeah. Yeah, so Spock literally just is just like, ah, oh, here, let me push a few buttons. All right, I'm going to, this signal is going to make everybody start fighting and get really mad at each other. Yeah, they talk about, like, frequencies cause, cause problems with people. You know, a certain low organ tone induces a feeling of awe. There is another frequency that affects the digestion. Now, when he said that, I thought of the brown note from South yeah, Park. Yeah, of course. Where, like, you do the brown note and everybody poops. Yeah, dude, that's a real thing. Is it? Yeah, no, it's it's they it's a it's a theory. It's a it's like a okay. sound theory. Got they it. haven't they the the sound exists, but there there's nothing that's been able to play it in such low a register. I gotcha. believe. But it's funny it exists. There is a brown note. So this Spock is like, there is something called a brown note, sir. <laughs> Usually it happens after Dr. McCoy drinks one of those mint juleps. That's a drink, by the way. <laughs> they had to bring it back one more time because it was so funny the first time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The first two times. Times. First two times. <laughs> so they send a signal down that gives everyone a feeling of itchiness i guess on the planet and then like soon afterwards everyone started getting into a fight and then james blish offers a criticism of his own work by saying the rest was an anticlimax and that was it he was literally just like ah you know what i could tell you what happened but nah it was really anticlimactic so anyway, as uh, the crew came back, uh, uh, that's literally what what happens. No, nope. I literally wish there was a so anyways. Uh, if that was in the book, I I literally would die. Uh, but the crew came back. The colonists were on the ship because you know they weren't you know full of spores. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they left Domacry Sanctuary three, and that was it. McCoy says that's the second time that man has been thrown from paradise. paradise. Well, maybe we don't deserve paradise. Or no, no, isn't it just like, well, no, this time we walked out of paradise. Walked out on our own. Maybe we don't belong in paradise bones, Kirk carefully thought. Maybe we were meant to fight our own way through. Struggle, uh... Struggle. Yeah. yeah, struggle. Sorry, I, I, all of a sudden I, I thought it went... I, I skipped a, a sentence and I went, Struggle of loots? Struggle what? of loots? It's, yeah, struggle. Claw our way up, fight every inch of the way. Maybe we can't stroll to the music of loots, Bones. We must march to the sound of drums. And that's beautiful. You know, it's poetry. It's a... I love it. I thought of... Like, I thought of... 
I don't know. I thought of when I read that, like, Charlton Heston at the beginning of Planet of the Apes. Does man still make war on fellow man? <laughs> like, 100%. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, so, that pretty much ends this really lukewarm story. Well, the last thing that we, we have here is Bones asks Spock what he thinks of the whole ordeal. And Spock says... For the first time in my life, I was happy. Bum, bum, bum. We tore we tore happiness away from Spock so that he can suffer for a lifetime. Oh yeah. He can suffer just like the rest of us. That's right. Alright, well that's all folks, as just like we end on that. <laughs> da, 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 da. So uh so our next episode is The Devil in Reach. It's a good sixteen pager. Ooh. We'll have some hefty heftiness in here. Uh yeah. so it looks like this maybe is a Jimmy Blish uh, favorite, hopefully. Uh, he, so... he was given a little extra cash. They throw oh, yeah. they... They threw an extra 20 his way and said, could you give uh, yeah. it another six pages, Jimmy? Could you do that for us? And Jimmy was like, you're goddamn right, I, right I can. I'll uh, write the shit out of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think, you know, Jimmy, uh, it already starts really cool. Uh, I, I see he literally just caused Junus was an ugly planet. That's beautiful. We're already starting really well. Mm-hmm, I can't absolutely. wait to read the rest. <laughs> It's not built or stacked like Khan was. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I hope we come past something as, as amazing as Khan and and as good as, you know, as as, full, as wholehearty as this side of paradise. Absolutely. Some poetry in this oh, side yes. of paradise. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank you for listening to us uh, ramble through this episode. Uh, please give us a like, a comment subscribe let us know what's happening yeah absolutely uh let us know what your favorite james blishism is so far and oh we'll yeah try and beat that one into the ground as well yeah we're just about halfway through this uh this beautiful book uh yeah starting starting to work on what we're going to be doing next i don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet but we got something special planned oh we we definitely have something special planned it, it, that's going to be very very interesting that'll be an actual novel novel and not yes. just these short stories yes um, yes but uh, man congratulations nick we're we're chugging we, along we, through this yeah book. dude i can't believe we're really getting this far along well, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we've been definitely been enjoying doing this. Uh, we hope you've been enjoying listening, and uh, we'll definitely see you on the next episode. Absolutely. I'm Nick Hines. I'm Samuel Becker. Uh, live long and prosper. And peace of my life. Peace out.